I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One day in the pub, Seb and Verity were socializing with hilarity. They knew there and then that their options were vast. They bought some equipment and made a podcast. What do you think you are doing, you twits? It's cliched and obvious, you know. We're back again. Yeah, we're back. It's episode five. Yeah. This is Three in a Bar. It's a podcast all about music and musicians and who they are as people. Yes. And, uh, a little snapshot of their lives, if you will. So who have we got in the drawer this week, Seb? In the drawer this week? Yeah. Hang on. Whoa. <laughs> not that. <laughs> Always an active in draw, one. <laughs> in, the, whew, in the drawer this week, it is Johnny Abraham. Well, hey. Well, hey, yes, we met up with Johnny at his flat last December. And if you don't know who he is, well, I'm going to tell you. Here's a biography which I've cobbled together off of the internet. Johnny Abraham is a multi-instrumentalist, songwriter and orchestrator, born, raised and still residing in South East London. He studied the trumpet at Guildhall School of Music and Drama and was a member of Southbank Symphonia. Hooray! <laughs> he was, but much after me. I was in the Baroque <laughs> era. <laughs> um, and he's a, a member of the Riverside Brass Quintet. Um, now, in 2012, he released his first album, Planes, under the name Professor Penguin, with which he enjoyed success playing festivals such as Lee Fest and Secret Garden Party and performances at Ronnie Scott's and features on what was then XFM. Johnny is a member of the band Public Service Broadcasting, for whom he plays bass, guitar, flugelhorn, and various other bits of percussion. He has orchestrated much of the band's music, most notably the uh, band's BBC Prom last summer in 2019, in which they played the Race for Space, uh, their second album, in full. Um, Johnny also plays trumpet for Bastille, and over the last couple of years, he's orchestrated and conducted the band's um very successful re-orchestrated concert he's so there we go that's an awful lot hasn't he a he, lot of stuff yes and, you know he started off as a as a trumpet player but he's sort of branched off and done all kinds of things and um so, so really it's hard to pigeonhole him as one thing no absolutely and just as a little side note um when we got there, this was only our second episode of recording and we were setting up the mics and uh, he told us this fantastic story about how the week before he'd taken it upon himself to run a marathon. Um, yeah. Not, not London, not Berlin, not a major, just him <laughs> alone. <laughs> wow. With I think he had like some, uh, some sweets in his pocket. That was his energy supply and some water. <laughs> and, and he did it. He ran the whole yeah. blooming marathon. He fend- I think he ended up in Regent's Park possibly Hyde Park. Hyde Park. And, yeah. So he was telling a story. It was amazing. I mean, I completely absorbed by it. And, and then he said um, at the end, an absolutely tragic thing is that he looked at his watch, his running watch afterwards to, to see how well he'd done. And the blimmin' watch hadn't recorded the full marathon. So he, it told him that he was just shy of 26.2 miles. So there was not even, you know, the celebration from his own blimmin' running watch. No yeah, medal, it said like nothing. Best half marathon time. Yeah. This. 
because he was like 25 yards short. Oh, it's God. just so gutting. <laughs> it was a, just, it was such a great story, but sadly, our microphones, and, and at that stage, our microphone technique, clearly not strong enough to include in this podcast, but... Um, no. yeah we were when it was on the sort of backup recorder and and there was just a lot of banging and crashing and uh he had the kettle on yeah you know, it was <laughs> we, we were thinking of your ears listener you know we couldn't we couldn't put it out there <laughs> no. unfortunately but we had a really lovely chat with him we talked about all kinds of things we get quite technical at times yeah. so uh, i hope you come with us on that um but it's quite interesting yeah, absolutely talk about his his sort of process of um you know he's doing a lot of orchestrating these days and that kind of thing so yeah it talks about how he how he does all that you are right it does get technical but i think it's well worth sticking with it's yes. very interesting i learned a lot <laughs> me too well here we go this is our conversation with johnny abraham Um, are you anyone watching his dark materials oh wow no because i haven't read the books yet oh, you, i think you can watch do the, you think i don't well it's a bit upsetting the books though, are brilliant supposed to be amazing aren't yeah they? yeah mm. is it really good is the series yeah it's good I, i'm a bit behind because I, I had to wait for uh, charlotte to uh, get back i think i'm like three or three episodes in mm, i'm i'm up to date oh great yeah <sighs> God. And it's and it's it's an amazing thing because especially the way that TV is now and having it on demand all the time, having it on your phone or an iPad or whatever. I think this has got to be the first thing I've watched in ages where I watch it or at least try and watch it on a Sunday night. Yeah. As it comes out. As it comes that's out. That's great. And that's really, oh. it's really fun. And it is quite special, I think. Yeah. When, when you, of course, it's an, it's an illusion because you can get it all the time. But when you feel like this is happening live, that's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's like um, when a song comes on the radio that's that's great. Yeah. It's it's better than if you just put it on Spotify because yeah, you know definitely. that everyone else is listening to it at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, and and there's that thing on the radio of where you have the, um, this is going away from his dark materials now, maybe too soon because it's really good. We can bring it back. We'll bring it back. But it's okay, I don't want any spoilers. Okay, so yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bear. <laughs> oh, shit. There's a, there's a bear, yeah. Um, to hear the DJ talk about the song, you know, or just that feeling of you don't know what it is and then they, and then they, introduce you to it yeah, yeah. it's a special thing the mm. radio yeah i love it because otherwise it's just a spotify is like a or other services are like a cascade of, yeah. of stuff yeah i don't know maybe but i like the, an album for the same mm. same sort of reasons like yeah. i feel like listening to a full album isn't it a brilliant thing it getting to really thing. get absorbed into the whole thing like, mm. i don't know it just feels like everything's just so a little bit here a little bit there and it's just great to have a complete article yeah. isn't it yeah yeah. It is. It's um. So, mate. I mean, I don't think I'm quite as resistant now to the playlisting and streaming kind of single standalone culture. I think when that first started to happen, I was just so anti. I mean, I, I was even anti the shuffle button on an iPod. Yeah. I just couldn't mm. understand why. And I, and I had a friend at school who went a stage further, who had this um disc man thing that he used to walk to school with, and he he just was so resistant to iPods and was just like convinced that it was taking the meaning away. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty extreme now <laughs> back on it. But he had his, you know, just wallet of CDs that he put in his school bag. Yeah. And these proper like overhead, over ear headphones that yeah. he, with a really long cable that he used to drag behind him. Yeah. Walking <laughs> school. And there was something cool about that because it was definitely an event for him to listen to music. Yeah. Whereas, I don't know, you know, what's happening now is I'll put an album on on spotify and then it gets to the end and then it does the thing where it just continues yeah. to stream what it thinks you'll like mm. i i'm always in two minds about that because mm. i've discovered so much great music on because of that yeah but you don't get the sense of oh it's the last track of the album yeah, that's it yeah you don't get that feeling that no this this that silence mm. where you're just suspended and, and that's the end yeah and and if you go, you know, if there's only three seconds of silence at the end of that track, then you're straight into something else. Have you heard, and do you like Anderson Pack? Mm, yeah. So Oxnard, when I heard that first one, I was like, this is amazing. Don't shuffle it and put it in a yeah. terrible order. So mm. Because it's right, isn't it? It's yeah. like, 
for fear of sounding massively wanky. It's like a journey. It is know? like a but journey. It's so yeah. good. Mm. Yeah, don't yeah. mess around with that. No, and yeah, I, I think that idea of a complete thing is very heavily romanticised in my mind as well when it comes to writing anything. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's been something that's held me back from maybe writing one song yeah. and recording one song is that it doesn't feel relevant until it's part of yeah. the like a the story that you're trying to tell or the or the atmosphere that you're trying to create. You know, I but, but there's room for both mm. now in in my mind and yeah. in the world. So, so do you feel like that holds you back sometimes from when you're absolutely yeah yeah because I I mean. I mean, certainly, it certainly is at the moment uh, in so much as I have 10 songs. And in my mind, that's that's how long track wise I want an album yeah. to be. And it yeah. has, I want it to be between two certain minute points, just using that kind of st- structure to kind of limit what I can do. And I can't I just can't get anything down because it yeah. always it always changes. You know, the, the stories are always changing and I can't commit to just capture it now yeah you know, and then and then that's it and then you move on yeah well they're always going to change though aren't they like, mm. you know if, if the beatles had recorded abbey road a month later yeah or started it all a month later it'll all be mm. different are you sort of trying to produce it all yourself well again i mean i think a certain group of expectations and kind of um understandings in my head are softening at the moment mm. Whereas before I would be just like unnecessarily principled about unnecessary things. Yeah. So, and which is almost always to do with control, I think. I think wanting to produce my own music was concerned with wanting to realize exactly what it was that's in my head. And now I'm realizing that it's by, it could just as easily be by working with other people yeah. that you are able to realize what's in your head. And more than that. Yeah, because you can sort of reflect it back on yourself. Sometimes mm. you need to say things out loud, don't you? Or get things out to actually have it reflected back so you can get yeah. perspective on yeah. them. Yeah, absolutely. So have you been playing them to lots of people? Um, <laughs> no, not really. Not really. We we had a band practice in, when was it, March 2018. Because my initial idea with this album that I have was that it was going to be bass, drums, guitar, trumpet, sax, trombone. And that was it. Because what had come to my attention was that there was this world of infinite possibility. And that was becoming harder and harder to negotiate. The idea that you can do anything you want meant that I needed to put some kind of restriction on it. And it was really, you know, I'd kind of made these strict guidelines in my head of, you know, when I was playing guitar, I could only use like one amp, one small set of pedals nothing like the the thing i was thinking was no trickery just like make it as much about the song at its leanest it can be and with you know using horns it was like you using a horn section trying to get the most out of an acoustic horn sound as you can as a section so the idea that we might affect those horns in some way was out of the question it's like they have to do the job Mm. acoustically yeah drum wise you know just an acoustic drum kit, no pads, no track, no triggers, nothing like that. It all had to be done like that, which I still think is relatively interesting. But after we had that rehearsal, I just thought, hmm, why am I doing this? Why am I restricting it like that? Yeah. And, and ultimately it came down to practical reasons, which I didn't think was the most rewarding kind of like artistically or musically rewarding thing to say. The first band I had when I was at college, we supported public service broadcasting at XOYO. And there were, I think that night, I think there were 10 of us. There's Professor Penguin. Professor Penguin. And there were 10 of us on stage. <laughs> and um, the then manager of the PSB said to me at the end, he was like, you'll never be able to do this with that many people. Yeah. Mm. And I kind of like defiantly, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like stamped my foot. And the Blazing Squad did it. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So solid crew. Yeah. Let's not forget those lads. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, kind of heartbreakingly, it's right. Mm. Um, sounds a bit pathetic, really, but just having had that happen, mm. and that th- that that th- that band was so the kind of noise of that 
band and and the energy of that band was so joyful for me but it just didn't feel real it wasn't a a reasonable thing yeah you know you couldn't tie people down you couldn't pay people it was just a heavily romanticized thing it's like oh we can do this Mm. so when you're starting out now then and in like the very first stages of imagining what you're going to be doing mm. does that is that in your mind instantly then when you're when you having ideas even like the beginning of the creative process is that mm. kind of is that there instantly? well i think i think it has been I, yeah and and i think i'm just coming out the other side of it now yeah symphony orchestra is it right yeah <laughs> and and that's but but to, it's funny but that's, that's sometimes how i think and i'm thinking well why maybe it was maybe it was some kind of useful exercise to write with a very economic sound in Mm. my head because maybe it did put the focus onto the song and making Mm. it lean and making it to the point but it's i don't really think it's me i don't um and so now having had a very practical perspective i think i'm coming out into this right no no limits the purpose of me making my own music now feels like purer because yeah it because i'm not thinking about i need to kind of like achieve this that or the other with it which is really nice because it it Mm. just feels like i could record something with my friends that i want to do and um ultimately even if it never gets played that's it feels secondary to just the fact of doing it yeah which i think maybe 10 years ago it wasn't the case it was it, it felt like i needed to use my music as a vehicle to get somewhere in, yeah in the music world yeah mm. and um, now you're you're there uh, only very recently have i like t- i suppose taken stock a bit of what's happened and what is continuing to happen and thinking oh yeah don't worry about that no it's okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is nice so you've been living with the same 10 songs for three years mm. yeah and they're all on my phone in order in their latest mix form and there was there have been pretty shameful to admit but there have been times where that's kind of almost all i've listened to sometimes because mm. i felt like i needed to get immersed in it but then for the past i'd say two and a half months i haven't listened to it at all purposely purposely i think because i because again i was doing what i'd done before which was to get very set and principled about what it should be Mm. yeah and by closing myself off like that i think i was maybe turning away from ideas that could help it make it better make it more interesting yeah do you feel like you 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 know what to do with it now or no no (laughs) um no i just i i I do have the nice thing of having listened a couple of times back to it again of thinking oh yes it's all right you know all of those songs were written either on a piano or a guitar and again came from that principle of like very just like strict economical forces and stuff and then you know if i do i like a project that involves like more extensive orchestration i'm just thinking oh this is so maybe this is it you know to to involve all of this because sound wise that's more about what makes me tick and yeah because there was there was a stage where i was just thinking oh i just i I would love this to sound like i'd love to make a, a band in a room sound like band on like let's stay together by al green something like that yeah i was i was thinking that's so pure and beautiful and amazing. And it is, of course, but I don't think I need to do that. <laughs> what, what, in terms of the orchestration or the way it's recorded? Or? The, just the way it's recorded. You know, is I, it all, all done together? I'm not, I'm not actually sure, I'm but sure. when I listen to that song in particular, I just feel like, oh, well, this is just a perfect... Mm. This is a perfect capturing of people playing. I think the, the biggest concern not concern but like i think the biggest un, uh, thing that would unlock this would be to find time to be in a room together yeah set everything up and just play i th- I think that's the kind of thing that can come about very easily if you just if you just make it happen but it you know f- for us in what we do it just it requires you saying for this week i won't I see take yeah. anything on i can't take yeah. anything on i'm gonna go here and i'm gonna record this thing yeah make it happen this year and and last year i've I've worked a bit with a producer called gethin pearson who the first time i worked with it was with my friend ralph pellymounter who uh oh yeah was in well is in a band called tequila king but uh, he wrote a record of his his own music completely his own music and Mm. similarly to how what we're talking about he made it with his friends so i did some 
horn and string arranging for him and played some trumpet and but that was the first time I met Geth and, and there was a, a, a thing with him that I'd you know was so uh, aware that I didn't have that he just got stuff done yeah it was amazing yeah <laughs> uh, he finished stuff and that was such an eye-opening thing for me to think you know especially you know growing up as a a, a highly judgmental teenager <laughs> thinking like I'd I mean, I had a friend who, who wrote a letter to Paul Epworth after he produced the second Rapture album saying that he thought it was lazy production and he didn't, he didn't like it. And he actually got a letter back saying, well, yeah, something along the lines of, you know, we did our best in the time we had. We, did, we had barely any time to make this record. Yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, I mean, that may or may not be true, I don't know. I was going to say, he must have been really, really pissed off yeah. to write that yeah. letter. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine getting that from a teenager being like, you little fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing yeah. he got a response back. And um, <laughs> the uh, truth of that aside, it, yeah, it was one of those things that even now I, I thought, oh, yeah, you don't complete the cycle until you finish it. Yeah. You know, you, you, you have hundreds of ideas, but, you know, they they only have their meaning surely when they're finished mm. and when people can listen to them like music or art in any case is about completing that cycle and, and engaging some kind of chemistry, I think. So, yeah, with Gethin, I just thought, oh, this is amazing. But he has just finished an album with Badly Drawn Boy oh. That, oh, great. that I... So I, I did a, a bit of arranging and a bit of playing on. And I, Damon is amazing and creative and written great songs. But again, I, I think has probably struggled with the idea of finishing something. Yeah. And then I went up to uh, Stockport to, to do my couple of days and just was with Gethin again. And he just gets stuff done and has this boundless energy that takes you through, carries you through. And that was a very special thing to be around to yeah. be aware of was just whatever it is that i'm working on it could just be a continuous thing that just goes and that's mm. you know relating to my own songs now it's like how it's becoming mm. it could just go on and on and on and on and on because it's never going to be perfect and you and it's so okay we're musicians so maybe take it with a pinch of salt but it's courageous and brave to me the idea that someone Apologies for that. <laughs> finishes <laughs> something, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. like they they have the they have the presence of mind to say it's done, mm. and um, off it goes. So when you did Every Valley yeah. with PSB. Mm. You, that that was that was that kind of environment, wasn't it? Where you sort of hide out a massive space, turned it into a studio. Yeah, um, and uh, Jay Wilgoose writes all the music. Mm. Does he produce it as well? Yeah, he does. He writes and produces. So he he knows exactly how everything's going to go and sound. Does he? Yes, I think so. I mean, I think certainly with the earlier. PSB albums, it's uh, I understand he did everything, um, but I think with Every Valley it was maybe slightly different because although he wrote and produced produced that record, I think James Campbell mixed it. Oh right. So, which again is something I wasn't really aware of, like the uh, the intricacies of mixing a record. I thought mixing was more of a like I don't know, like more of a kind of like objective thing. Of, about balance but you know then understood that it's not you know making choices on reverbs and compressions is also a, an artistic thing yeah um, that's that's classed under mixing yeah all that stuff yeah. i think so are you looking for the record yeah <laughs> i just wanted to check i didn't want to go off on this on this really long tangent <laughs> let's see what does it say oh look there's another oh, bone lovely there's a bonus one there's a cribs album inside as well oh nice artwork i like it's the, uh, nice it's isn't it very very nice yeah what yeah. year was this when did this one come out this came out in 2016 right oh, i think it's 17 <laughs> seriously get your facts wrong. this what came out in 2017 Do you even know <laughs> i really are you sure you're on this <laughs> here we go look. it's a very good artwork because it looked from afar 
it looks like a photo of a landscape. I think. Yeah, but it, is it not? But it's not. It's, it's <gasps> some. I thought it was too. It's some paint. It's painting. Oh my god, that's fantastic! Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Engineer, engineer James Campbell, produced and oh, okay. So I was wrong. It's engineered by James Campbell. It's uh, produced and mixed by Jay Wilgus. Oh, Jay, Jay Wilgus Esquire. Hmm. So. Who's on there? Yeah, he certainly wouldn't want me to get that wrong. No. So <laughs> glad he checked. Yeah. yeah. Glad. <clears throat> you had a lot of hand in a lot of the hand in mm. in um, <laughs> in coming up with some of the the, the sounds and colours. Yeah. Or, uh, so um, certainly like the brass writing. And yeah. What I didn't really appreciate before this was that. So, and a really nice, refreshing thing was that when Jay sent me the demos of anything with like wind brass yeah. strings on, he would send he would send me the stems of what he'd done. But with this, you know, he would just say, "What? Well, well, this is strings. This mm. is brass." But then it was left up to me as to how that was instrumented. Okay, instrumented. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. I do worry. <laughs> um, I didn't really appreciate how fun and creative that could be mm. as well. Just, you know, thinking about string forces and, and mm. brass forces and stuff and mm. how we might get those different colours in. And so, so that was really interesting, you know. Yeah. Had you written much for strings before that? No. No, not not at all. I'd, Did you uh, have a consultation on that? I. I think I watched. Uh, <laughs> okay. so Very knee, angry. Kneecap just that gone. An, and that was an angry knee. Did you have consultation <laughs> on your string writing? <laughs> <laughs> I watched a lot of YouTube videos. Yeah. Trump, you know, trumpet writing, and to an extent, trombone and horn writing. I can just call on my own experience. Yeah. But for uh, writing for strings, I think became obvious to me very quickly that the more time I spent with string players, even just being in the same room and watching them work mm. how interesting it was to hear the different colors and and to re and to really appreciate like the the strengths and not weaknesses but like colors of every part of the instrument yeah which is something if you're if you're working on a on a notation software you can't appreciate no you no. know that's and that is so often the case mm. i mean the number of times I've turned up to a session where somebody has done string arrangements and literally lifted it off the what they've been logic doing on logic yeah. exactly, and it's just even reading it's just unplayable. Or you yeah. can play it, but the sound that they're creating is just so wrong; it's just mm. not stringy at yeah. all. And and that's again, you, I think we all probably find ourselves at certain points in our lives f feeling like this imposter syndrome thing, or feeling like oh like this what i'm doing is feels really simple and but it but it's not you know no. helping someone out to to say well like that yeah that is possible on a cello but yeah try if you try it in this octave on a viola it's gonna it's gonna speak in a different way absolutely um god it's so practical and boring but just you know putting something in the the right clef mm. putting something in the right time signature yeah Making a page, like formatting a page of music, you know, formatting is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> formatting a page of music to make it, mm. to make it just comfortable for whoever's yeah. playing it. And, and for, for kind of, for classically trained musicians who, for which like that's their, their comfort, that's their expertise. Like that's a really, that is, that is a cool thing to be able to, because I, I think arranging, well, yeah, I think arranging and producing they're, they're a similar thing because it's about wanting to get them the most out of the forces the people that you have yeah. yeah um and to to appreciate like the fact that this group of people might be amongst like the most brilliant you'd ever work with but if you don't facilitate their brilliance then then and that's on you it's not on them but that's great that you think like that you know that's that's really refreshing to hear i think it's so often not the yeah. case it's like why you're playing it like this why why isn't it sounding great why isn't yeah. this and no acceptance of that so yeah. that's yeah. perfect yeah you're... from an arranging point of view as well i don't really think there are bad songs i don't think they necessarily exist I, yeah i mean i suppose yes you can get a bad song if it has like like playing that doesn't make you feel anything and an arrangement that doesn't make you feel anything but there are things that you know in if you kind of bring bake everything down to its 
simplest components you can just find a way to present it that you know so it's that thing as well isn't it like te- um, incredible teachers have it with groups of school children where they can make this like unbelievable sound in a in a room with with 30 kids with instruments who've only been playing for six weeks mm. yeah if you get the right people doing that you know and again it just goes back to the 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 chemistry thing that and the completing the cycle thing it's like if there's this feeling of mutual responsibility throughout the circuit then the 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 result that you can get Mm. is amazing the reaction you know that kind of chemical reaction is is amazing do you teach at all have you no no not anymore i i did um out of college i i did and that continued but i think when things got busy but it was about four years ago when things got busy with touring with the band yeah um i went down to just some private teaching and and then again things just got too busy with touring and it didn't didn't work out but i think that that and i would always want to go back to it always take a lot from it because it was so important yeah um and i had um i had a, a band in a primary school and at its peak there were 25 of them and uh it was just an amazing thing because it was a um it was about within that group there were maybe five or six kids who were like exceptional readers notation wise um and then there's a group you know the rest of them are just really enthusiastic they want to be there and Okay, it was it was basic, but it was just a, it it was it was about trying to find out what each one of those kids could do, yeah, and then and then allowing them to do that mm. to contribute because especially at that age is the sense the feeling that you are part of this team contributing mm. to it and you're and you're contributing to the sound and that's exciting absolutely um, yeah and I, I suppose like having a facility as 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 like an arranger or writer it it was it it just felt natural to me with that group was was just to write stuff for them you know yeah, not, yeah. i didn't draw on anything existing i didn't have any i, I which again was probably for <laughs> laziness as well i didn't know who'd published what for those levels but i thought well let's kind of assess what everyone can do mm. and then just and then because yeah maybe that's not necessarily testing them straight away but I think especially at that age and with inclusivity, it's about saying, what can we do right now that's going to engage these young people to like want to stay and want to learn? Yeah. 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 If we can do something, if we can make a sound together that's interesting straight away. Yeah. Then well, so, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't have to be really difficult because no. like, a lot of the music, like if you just got a really simple bit of string arrangement to play, mm. just really long notes... It yeah. was really easy, but it was well written. It'd be a joy to play. Absolutely. So it doesn't yeah. have to be. You have to be pushing people all the time. No. So no. I, maybe that's a bit of a a, a sort of a trap that people fall into running those sort of clubs because it's like yeah, certain grades the kids are at, and actually because everyone's at such different levels in those groups. Yeah. But they're all. But it is the the junior brass ensemble or something. Mm-hmm. So if you just kept it really simple. Then yeah. there's a there's a joy in just playing a chord in tune, isn't there? Absolutely. So if, and yeah. if you can teach that, that's brilliant. <laughs> Talking about this now, how that's transferable to what we do now. It yeah. really is. And Don't uh, overcomplicate things. Yeah. Just when um, you know, there's nothing there's nothing special about a loaf of bread. <laughs> <laughs> but it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in how, um, so for the recent prom mm. in, in the summer yeah. with PSB, mm. uh, um, celebrating the music of uh, The Race for Space yeah. from what year? Uh, the Race for Space was 2015. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I've got it down here. <laughs> um, 
Oh, I think we, we recorded 15. it in 14. Yes, yeah, it, but it, it came, came out in 15, yeah. Um, yeah, so so, um, so that was with the um, multi-story it was, yeah. orchestra. Yeah. Is that the, their full name? The multi-story, mm, the multi-story right. orchestra. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do, do you find, was that overwhelming at any point with having, like, you could do yeah. anything with that music? Well, um, it, yes, I mean... Or, it, or did you find, like, by, by that point, you'd been the, writing for strings and woodwinds, so you thought, I, I, I know much more what to do, do you straight know, away? Or? I think, because uh, me and Jay had a discussion right at the beginning of that process, um, and I think there was a certain amount of trepidation on his part with using an orchestra, because... It's funny, so, you know, I've seen um, it in kind of like researching for that project, which is the first, not quite the first thing, but the first thing on that scale that I'd done. Um, I, I looked up some things and found some really outlandish stuff with rock band and orchestra. Like there's a deep purple with the RPO. that's yeah. just like so outrageous and bombastic. Um, and I think that for Jay, he probably had a bit in his mind of thinking, ah. Oh, I don't want it to go into that territory. That symphonic rock. Symphonic rock, yeah. right? And and um, and 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 absolutely, I was with him on that. Mm. Um, so I think we were kind of on a similar page from the from the beginning. So I think the kind of like, I suppose the tag line that we came to was that we were in this gig. We wanted to use the orchestra to kind of augment the colours of the record, really. Um, yeah. So. In doing that, but you know, to do that, what we what we did was to break down the tracks into stems and find individual parts and see how those parts might fit. So, I mean, the one of the things that comes to mind is is if you have a if you have a normal six string guitar and you have a finger picked part played across four strings, you know, kind of like thumb on the E string and then like the the three fingers above playing like a, an arpeggio type figure on mm. it. Yeah. How might that sound if you use like a bassoon as the thumb, a clarinet <laughs> as the index finger and the two oboes as the third and fourth finger? And and we we ended up doing that a lot, that kind of thing, um, which again, like, just came, it come, came down a lot of the time to like ha- harmonic colour, really, I mm. think, in that, in that show. Um, and then there were interludes in between where we were able to stop as a band, stop playing and hear the orchestra. Mm. Yeah. Which is a really special thing. So did you work with Jay Wilgoose through Logic or something? Did you? So you get the stems and then you'd change the sounds. Yeah. So he sent me the, he sent me the stems. I put them into my Logic and was able to obviously just solo stuff and hear like this guitar on its own or yeah. this synth on its own. But he left me to my own devices really you know there was a stage at the beginning where you know it was less clear he was writing something completely different at this time so I was quite immersed in that mm-hmm. and I was doing this we you know we were in different places and we couldn't see each other kind of physically so we you know chat on the phone a bit or text or whatever but he kind of left me to it and I think once we landed on the same page creatively which was again, you know, because there were there would there would be opportunities to expand this and to write new music. You know, there there was an interlude for the other side that was just again yeah. so simple. Mm. Um, and in that, you know, he he was saying the idea for that was just visually like a shot of open space and the camera pans and then this moon comes into view, mm. and that's what it was. Oh. His way of capturing that was just kind of long held chords and this like repeating vibraphone ostinato and then a cello me- cello melody, which is kind of like Fine doubled. Choice. Yeah, it yeah. Well, <laughs> It always is. Yeah. Doubled at times with a flute and then and a French horn. That was the only real new, new piece of music other than the intro and the outro, which were kind of my interpretation, like or my orchestral arranging interpretations of the i suppose what you'd call the secret track at the end of the race of space mm. which comes after tomorrow uh, which is kind of a this ambient textual piece so there was one of those at the beginning one of those at the end and this other side into interlude so anyway we we could have extended it with new movements and new things but he was very careful in constructing that record to build a story 
Yeah. So it was about not wanting to interrupt that flow too much. Yeah. And just letting it be the piece that it was. It was amazing how quickly it came together. Brilliant. But just, you know, a um, testament to the orchestra and to Chris Stark, who's conducting it, and mm. to the unbelievable team who engineered it. It was mind-blowing, you yeah. know. And even that night when we did the show, I think there was a 45-minute changeover where BBC Now had to get off and we had to get on. And it was just like, ama- it was just mind-blowing to me that the amazing calmness and skill of the t- team who were engineering and taking that show it was am- amazing because it kind of like um dissolves any stress around you know you can just do your music thing then yeah because because everybody's accommodating yeah. you in in the best way yeah but no I, we'd we'd had a we'd had a workshop with the strings and we'd had a <coughs> workshop with percussion mm. um and it was in those two sessions that I I realised things were working as they should. And then especially with the percussion section, we had more time together and we were able to talk about, you know, they were complete experts in what beat is to use and, and like different sat- bowed sounds from cymbals and vibraphones and crotals and stuff like mm. that. So that was, I mean, that was such a special thing because it is overwhelming. Yeah. You know, the scale of an orchestra. And, God, and beaters and things. I don't, would not even think about that. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's going to make a huge yeah. difference. Yeah, massive. But, you know, yeah. I mean, as an arranger, producer of, of, of something, just trying to facilitate your idea as, as, as quickly as possible in order for the people who are involved to, to get on board with it. Yeah. So it's even, it is something as dull sounding as... Are you hitting a, a bass drum with a hard head beater or like a really soft, large beater? They're completely different mm. things. Mm. Mm. And if you notate that, unless you give the direction of what kind of beater to use, yeah. you are going to change like wildly sometimes the, the feeling of that sound. And I used like a, a soft headed beater on a, on a bass drum in some of those arrangements to, to just like... You don't. I don't think you hear it as much as you feel it. No. I know exactly the sound you mean. Yeah. I I don't think I noticed it at the time, but I I know that it's a it's a thing that hits yeah. you in the chest. That mm. kind of that sort of yeah. It's it's like so. It's like when you. It's why like Beethoven symphonies sound so exciting. It's the timpani. Yeah. It's yeah. that. Boom, it's that. Yeah. Go, what is that? It's Amazing, the, it's isn't the it? timpani, isn't it? And the, well. Maybe the cellos. Yeah. <laughs> and Probably. The, uh, Probably. <laughs> there was always one. There was always one example that stuck out in my mind ever since it happened. When I was at college and we did um, Marla Two in the fourth movement of chorale at the start of that movement, hmm. which is, I remember being in a trumpet section, like feeling like this is a brass chorale, <clears throat> which it is. But then you notice that the um, contrabassoon is playing as well mm. uh. and although like that instrument has like a certain amount of like volume power wise power volume wise mm. <laughs> it it could be kind of you know the question of is it necessary is 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 a strange one because you think like what's it doing we don't really that note's being covered by a bass trombone or tuba or something why do we need it there and then you hear it and it's like the kind of like the fizz yeah. kind of like the crackle yeah. almost of, of of a of a contrabassoon which is so beautiful and special yeah and like that's one of those like just really super nerdy arrangement things that i just just find so exciting is as that that i feel like that's when you start to like deal in like a more like magical realm yeah when 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 people can't necessarily put their finger on why a sound is so special yeah
did you have a group, a wider group of instrumentalists you work with? N- not, um, not as, not specifically string players. I mean, the, the best example that comes to mind with that is Old Dirty Brastards. Yeah. Which is like I just kind of smile and kind of pulse with excitement anytime I think about them or talk about them. Yeah. Talk about us. Is that it's getting to a stage where where you appreciate each other's playing and know each other's playing to an extent where where you when you are arranging something you hear the person playing it yeah in your head as you're writing it yeah that's the great beautiful thing about that group is that we're starting now to appreciate like the, the or have been appreciating for a while that there isn't such thing as a weak link no because it's about it's about understanding that everybody has this great strength mm. and you have a range of great strengths and if you if you ask someone to to like implement whatever that is they're just going to do the best job it's going to sound amazing yeah if you put that expectation on someone else then you might be disappointed but we've only got to that kind of intimate place through 7 years of yeah doing it yeah and a lot of arranging in the last year mm. i think something like so i mean we've done all these shows we've, we've done four four albums four so four albums recreating reimagining right. albums so we did the arctic monkeys album mm. first album the strokes first album yeah. killer's first album and the oasis first album yeah and then we've done two two brassioki nights mm. and be rave yeah dance music night yeah so i think this year we've done something like 120 new arrangements yeah that's amazing in 12, in 12 months yeah, yeah. so we, yeah. we've um we've we've all i mean i've certainly i feel like i've improved a lot yeah. just from doing it but yeah. everyone you know there's, there's people that hadn't ever written any arrangements yeah uh 12 months ago or some people that have done a couple mm. um and the way the way we we sort of we did it we said like let's get everything done by this date and then we'd workshop it together and so everyone get about sort of 25 minutes to run through each tune Mm. there's just a sort of unspoken pressure there to have already done the work and make it really good so it's just a brilliant way of making everyone better and and everyone's everyone's feeding off each other and wants to be good so everyone's improved it's such a great thing when you're working as a unit like that and it's just coming together and yeah Mm. Like you're saying, you can just sort of second guess what everyone does, can't you? And just it's in a yeah. really great way. Yeah. And and drums as well. Like none yeah. of us knew how to write for drums. No. No, no one even wrote drum parts until <laughs> that was the biggest until this year. What did you do? <laughs> for just, a lot of people. If you could just hit it then Yeah, I think they'd just give him really like a, a tuba part or something. It would say at the top left hand corner, rock beat. <laughs> <laughs> no. And yeah. And you know, you just you just everyone's just learned how to do it because yeah. you, you can do you can just learn anything now. and and yeah. also the the great thing about that i think there may have been a time with this band where attention was drawn to the fact that we were like classically trained players yeah and there were so many brass bands doing exciting mm. things and they weren't reading they were kind of arranging in a different way they were collaborating in a different way and a lot more improvising improvising and more and like vamp style just yeah you know and there was a looser kind there, of there was a freedom mm. to that yeah now i think there was certainly a stage where collectively there was a bit of tension thinking do we get rid of the notation and they're the, like the arranging and yeah. that kind of thing and that's not something i'm averse to absolutely yeah. it'd be amazing to like learn a show but i think a part of this a massive part of this band's sound is is the intricacy of the arrangements yeah especially you know nowadays as it's developed the things that happen couldn't happen if they were left up to chance i don't think yeah no, yeah and so i suppose just staying true to what it is that we do and having got over that period of thinking like or oh, maybe you know maybe we get rid of the notation and we just start to learn things in a different way yeah but actually sticking to doing what we do and doing it well has yeah. got us into this new place and, place and into, yeah. into a place where you can do 120 arrangements in a year and mm. and have this like unbelievably busy, dynamic group of people who do all sorts of stuff and the wider family of it. Yeah. All just to advance us individually, but also the band. Yeah. And yeah. it's just that creative, that collective creative endeavour that's really exciting. Yeah. Well, well, that's I suppose that's the niche that you've carved as well because you're not yeah. trying to 
fall into the trap of go, you know, trying to be something you're like somebody yeah. else or another group or another style. Mm. Well, that's yeah, it, it, it does feel like we've found our own voice and mm. and we're all playing to our strengths. Mm. I don't. Know, did you ever do that at college or orchestration no. or no? No. Do you wish you had? Or I guess it doesn't matter now. Well, it's we were talking about this last night. It's more come into my mind recently because you know the idea that I might go back and do some kind of not go back but go forward and find yeah. some <laughs> you're gonna move into halls back in time michael j fox <laughs> yeah the idea that i might go and find a course to do about arranging or orchestration or whatever yeah um just oh sorry no that's all right i was gonna say it was really interesting what you said earlier about when mm. you were talking about limiting yourself on the arrangements that sounded like such a that sounded like a real thing. I just remember from college when working with composers there where they talk about limiting a lot yeah. of their exercises. It's almost like you were doing a kind of yeah. university or music college yeah. um, exercise. Exercise, yeah. yeah. That institutionalised thought of uh, this is this is how you get better, you know. This, yeah. You, this is because this is what I did at college. Yeah. You know, but I mean, I, I think that is helpful. I think mm. every once in a while you need a new set of tools to help facilitate your learning. Yeah, that's why we should encourage ourselves to look outside of music and outside of the arts in general. Like looking after turtles. Looking after turtles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why were you looking after turtles, what, Johnny? What a segue! <laughs> <laughs> looking outside the world Smooth. of music and into the world of conservation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yes, in Costa Rica. Oh, wow. Mm. What led you there? <laughs> what led me there was I just needed to get away. Yeah. It just became very clear to me that I didn't know how to um, relax <laughs> or, st- or stop. And so I needed to force that. Yeah. So to go very far away and to not take anything that could be worked on. So mm. no computer, no instrument, no, you know. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it, it was very much an enforced stopping that was very necessary yeah um and working with turtles was a was a byproduct of that it's the natural go-to thing to be honest isn't it i mean no i just (laughs) yeah i to be completely honest it didn't bother me what it was yeah i needed to occupy myself with something that i knew was going to be demanding for you know for a bit and but also completely unrelated to to what i do and yeah of course as often happens is by stepping away that you get a, a new perspective and yeah and just i'd just give your head a little bit of time to breathe and stop yeah mm. and uh, could we, you do that did you manage to yeah. shut your brain down that's fantastic it took about it took about four days at the start to come down from the like what feels to me like just like that just like a high-pitched drone of of tension and yeah and just constant thought about whatever it is that you're trying to work on or sort out Mm. and it's so weird because you never want to want you i never (laughs) wanted to let go it's like if i if i let go of that thing that i'm worrying about then i'm never going to fix it Mm. Mm. and then you and then like you you know fly to costa rica and and you can't pick the laptop up you can't pick an instrument up or you can't go out and do a gig so it took a while, but yeah, like four days of just sitting in a hostel and reading books mm. was what it took to come off that. It was just a resetting, I think. Yeah. I think pro- probably for the first time ever, just this, like the appreciation that if you don't build in time to to stop, then y- your work will suffer yeah. and your mind will suffer. I don't know what it is, but maybe there's a kind of, self, like a I don't know, like a punishment thing that you think... I need to keep working. I need to keep like my brain on this thing because until it's right, then I can't stop. Yeah. But I think it's just come to my mind more recently that it's going to be worse. It's going to be much worse, you know, by working on that thing all the time. You're not going to make it better. No. Um, And a a good friend said to me last week, she said, um, work is work is like gas. It accommodates the space that it has to fill so now with that in mind even if i'm just able to work on a particular thing for an hour before i go out to to do a gig or something it's just 
that's that's enough and i won't miss my train yeah or or like i won't get stressed out about it well i say this now it's all very new and, <laughs> and fresh and it's yeah and it's nice but i'm trying to just keep that in mind it's like you've got an hour yeah that's all you have to do so just find one thing that you can do in that hour to do, to, to get done and don't pile on the guilt of like you know you should have got up earlier or you should yeah. go to bed later that this is this is a time you use it in in the best way you can no guilt no shame and yeah. then, and that's then, very yeah, good that makes sense yeah really. very healthy <laughs> I remember the other day i was like it was about half 11 at night or something and yeah i think charlotte just got in it was like i hadn't seen her all day but i was like i'll just go to the laptop and uh see if i can turn this tune into a mashup into something else <laughs> like <laughs> i turned it was like Wait, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just turn the computer off. That's right. Yeah. 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 There's um yeah, there's a, a mixing engineer called Andy Sheps. I watched a, an interview with him a while ago and he was talking about how it's changed for him. He would send off a mix to an artist or management or something yeah. and accompany that mix with a long email detailing the reasons why he did what he did and how he you know how he chose to balance this here and do this here and and use that this you know whatever mm. and he'd do that and then it, i think within the, those emails he would say oh i'm not really sure about this part and um kind of almost leave it as a question what do you think type thing yeah and and he realized in that process that by inviting people to comment on a specific thing you're drawing their attention to it yeah and something that would never come into that person's mind then are thinking oh yeah no maybe it is too loud or maybe it yeah. shouldn't have that reverb on it or maybe etc so then i think he kind of got to this stage where he said here's the mix yeah and he, and he <laughs> yeah. sent it and 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 what a what a cool thing to be able to do yeah this is what i've done here you go so i think that's such a hard thing to learn isn't it mm. i personally i just i think we're all so self-critical anyway mm. especially like probably in the arts probably everyone yeah it's really hard to say this is what i've got this is what i'm going to give you hope yeah. you like it you know yeah. not even that not even hope you like it <clears throat> yeah you will like it but it's so it's very difficult it's very exposing but isn't it's, it it's, it's quite hard to do like in a collaborative environment because you yeah. feel like you should say but you know feel free to anyone add your input yeah. and but that's but i mean i think if you're in a truly collaborative environment and a respectful one mm. that is that should be a given mm. and i think that yeah. sometimes that can yeah. it ultimately be i don't know it's, it just feels false to me to to, to have to say you know because whatever it is that you do i, I you know because i i'm definitely guilty of like talking too much talking too much before you do something. that's abundantly clear today yeah, <laughs> yeah. didn't want to say it's a bit awkward <laughs> but, but but then you realize that uh, for, for me the, the the best people the the ones who just who do and and they the example is set by doing it's not by telling people how to do mm. it's by showing how to do and that's yeah. and that's it's, it's so clear to me if you have the facility to do then do and people will see it mm. and that's the best thing you know and i suppose what working with with amazing people is that they latch on to whatever it is that you're doing and they contribute to it and vice versa but yeah it just also just came into my mind i you know not from a musical point of view but from an acting one there's a short clip on youtube of brian cranston speaking mm. i think it was kind of after breaking bad had been just real big mainstream phenomenon and uh he's i think asked a question about the audition process and just says what what you have to understand is is that you you go into a room and you do your thing you present yourself as you are and then you leave and it, there are so many factors out of your control that if you if you what you know if you worry about all of them you just go mad but you just go in and you do your thing and that's it hmm. and and it's the simplest thing in the world when you hear it like that but then the hardest thing in the world when you are doing it sometimes hmm. but i think yeah i think it's a kind of an ongoing uh journey yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> to 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 want yeah. to want to get there to be able to just be and do exactly as you are 
and then you know yeah. that's that's it there's a related thing to that i remember uh, in steve martin's autobiography mm. born standing up mm-hmm. he's brilliant he realized the best kind of approach to being on stage was to do his act in a way that so that to the audience it seemed like whether they were there in the room or not he would be there doing it anyway right so yeah. it's just like a, a just a totally believable act he's just he doesn't care about the audience he's mm. just he would be there yeah I yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. That's it, isn't it? Letting go of what people think, what mm. people are going to yeah. think about your, what you're doing. Because then you can be genuine and that's always going to be the best form of yourself, isn't it? Yeah. If you're doing it for, yeah. for you, essentially. Yeah. Absolutely. And just whatever it is that you're communicating, just like finding the worth in it. Mm. Otherwise, it's not worth doing, I don't think. Yeah. Oh, he was great, wasn't he? Yeah, it was a really fun chat with Johnny. Um, it was nice getting into the real nitty gritty of like his, his, the inner workings of his mind. Yeah, yeah, totally. I like to think that maybe we've helped him unlock some of that anxiety about getting this so. album out. Yeah, I do you think? So. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I, I spoke to him recently and he, um, I mean, during the lockdown, I think he, he had some projects he had to get finished. Um, yeah. Uh, but now he's he's done that, so he's um, he's just solely working on on those tracks now. Oh, good, good. Which is great. I, I hope he gives us a dedication. <laughs> I hope so. Do you think? <laughs> just putting it out there, Johnny, if you're listening. <laughs> there were quite a few links in the show notes because we chatted about loads of different producers and uh, bands. If you want to follow Johnny on Twitter, he is at PSB underscore JFA. What else have we got? There's a, a link to his Bandcamp of his first album, Planes, under the name Professor Penguin. Uh, so you can buy his album there for £7. Um, Bargain. Also, there's some links to the new Old Dirty Brassard songs that he's produced. There are two songs out already, Everything Will Be Alright and Wonderwall. He's got two yes. more coming out over the next few weeks, so uh, stay tuned for that what else have we got verity ah uh, right okay we've also got a link to the prom that he was talking about the late night prom that he did um with psb the race for space yeah yeah uh so there's a youtube link for that it's brilliant yeah. i've just that, watched a clip of it that was um I, I was involved in that um playing playing trumpet and uh it was uh, well i mean i think it's one of the best concerts i've ever done it was oh, really special brilliant a late night prom oh it was just wonderful it's such good music as well uh listen to the whole of that album if you don't if you don't know it in fact on the 13th of may at nine o'clock tim burgess is running one of his tim's listening parties for that album so get on twitter and follow it along what else do we but have there's oh. the elb philharmonic sorry excuse me there's the elb philharmonic <laughs> Elb Philharmonic yeah. gig that he did where he'd reorchestrated um loads of Bastille songs and it's yeah, yeah so, that's another YouTube link isn't it yeah it's great and it's a shame actually we didn't get to talk about Bastille because he's been involved with them for a long time playing originally playing trumpet but you know doing more and more of the arranging of the brass music mm. so the show's sort of got bigger and bigger and it's been performed on on tours and places like the Palladium but you can see it on YouTube at the Elb Philharmonie. Which is just the most amazing place. It's so great. And actually in some of our forthcoming episodes, uh, other people are referencing this place as well. Honestly, check it out. The Elb Philharmonie in Hamburg. It's just, oh, it's incredible. I did a gig last year there with Bear's Den and it was absolutely, like, like you were saying earlier, one of the best I've ever done. It's incredible there. So what else? Oh, one more thing, because Johnny's involved with this. Um, there's a, a new podcast coming from the old Dirty Bastards, which I'm I'm uh, involved, involved. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm doing another <laughs> podcast. So, sorry. Oh, <laughs> I'm sick of this one already. It's really sad that this has come out um, like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're we're going to be talking about the new uh, the new songs that are out that um, Johnny's uh, produced some and arranged some. Um, Barney, my brother Barney Phil, but he's produced some as well. So there's eight new songs coming out in total, and uh, two are out, as I said. And we're doing a podcast for each episode. 
so that is launching soon, I think in the next next week or so, I reckon. So, very good. So very watch good. Out for that. Um well, that's a lot of information go. for that episode. It really it? is. It really is. So if your brains haven't exploded by now, yeah. <laughs> well done. Yeah, well done. Um we feel like th- this week we've done a lot of podcasting, haven't we? We've done a couple oh, of uh, interviews. Yeah. yeah. Getting we've them in the can, two, so we've got them. Yeah. Two transatlantic interviews. It's very exciting. Yeah. Um, some cracking guests. We, we've had to account for uh, time difference. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we've been staying up late, you know, 9pm, some of yeah. them. Um, and um, I really nearly had a massive cock up with one of them because I thought the guy that we were interviewing, amazing trumpeter, uh, amazing composer, conductor, um, conductor, composer, arranger, Ke- uh, Kelly Pratt, who you'll hear in forthcoming episode. Um, I thought that he was living in Portland, in Oregon, which, of course, as you'll know, is on Pacific time. Yes. However, he's not. <laughs> he's very much on the other coast of America. So we nearly had a very embarrassing situation where we'd have left him hanging for three hours. <laughs> um yeah, so what, who else did we talk to? Hector Rivera. Oh, yeah. Big favourite of yours, Verity. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how a guy who struggles with it looks so much can make a living on the stage, but somehow he has. Guys, um, look look him up. Just go straight to <laughs> images. That's all I'm saying. He did. Uh, he played um, uh, Juan Perón in, right, uh, yeah. in Evita last summer. And uh, uh, Verity enjoyed his performance very much i don't think um, it was just me <laughs> um so anything else to say uh i'd say if you've enjoyed this podcast and our previous four yes go ahead and and like and as they say subscribe to our podcast on any of the forums that you get your podcast from yes oh my mum uh said she found it difficult to find anywhere to review it um oh i'm not well Apple Apple Pods, you can Apple, review it's, it's, on there. It's the Apple Podcast is is the only one I think you can really leave reviews. Oh, okay. But if you can't review it and you'd like to just send a gift, that's fine too. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks so, so much. And come back and join us again next week. Yeah, we'll be back for episode six next week um, with a new guest. Hurrah. Exciting new guest. So have a lovely week. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.